Does anybody need a card today? If you want, and he has the handouts. This is the uh, handout we've had for the last three weeks, and this is the fourth week of it. And uh, uh, it's we're going to cover some really good stuff. So a lot of people here, and. Uh, it's not a discussion meeting, so if we don't leave much time for discussion, don't be upset with me. Uh, the birthdays were great, and uh, it's very special to me. We're on this uh, step six. We've covered up to this point. Uh, this is from Drop the Rock. We have new people here. They're wondering, well, what the heck am I going to be doing with step six today? Well, step six is, is solving the problem. Our problem is not alcohol. Anybody think it is? Well, look in the mirror, and that's your problem. It's you. And it's your thinking. And it's your way of life. And because of that, you, alcohol solved your inability to live sober. And now we're going to find a different solution to living sober that's not alcohol and it's called God and it's called changing my personality. Now step six and seven is where we're looking at our personality which this card symbolizes and we want to change from a self-centered to a God-centered person. Anybody think that's a good idea? Yes. Yeah. If you don't keep going on the way you are and see how it works. <laughs> And so this is from Drop the Rock, which you can get on uh, Amazon for 8 or $9. Uh, I did a Drop the Rock uh, Sunday night at 7. We did for like six or eight months. We covered the book. I may want to do that again. I'm thinking about it. It's powerful stuff. And it says, step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. <laughs> now, just briefly, you get the step six by admitting you're powerless to run your life and not to drink. And Carrie said it's the first drink that gets you drunk. Anybody agree with that? Yes. So our real problem is not the first drink. Who thinks the problem is the first drink? Yes. It's not. The problem is the thinking before the first drink. What makes an alcoholic take a drink when they know it's disaster? Well, right before you drink, you convince yourself it's okay. And if you have an alcoholic mind, nothing can fix that. You're screwed. You're going to drink again. Yet there are people in the room celebrating birthdays. Well, how does that happen? Because we find the power in our life that tells us bad idea to drink. Now, when does alcoholism occur? When you're sober. It's before you drink. You're living a self-centered life. You don't like the way you feel, and you treat it. You treat it with alcohol or drugs. How's that working? <laughs> It may work okay for years, but eventually it stops. And your life just goes into a downward spiral. Step two is where you're willing to believe that there is a power that can help you, and you know that today from the uh, birthdays. Step three is just a decision, which Gary mentioned, that we're going to surrender our will and our whole life to God. And Gary makes the point that we, it says after the third step prayer, remember be sure you're ready to abandon yourself utterly to him. Giving God 95% of your life will not work. It's like cutting out 95% of the cancer. The surgeon says, well, I got 95%. And three months later at the funeral home, they said, well, you should have taken the other 5% out. And 
And so it's a 100% commitment. Now, how do you follow through on that decision? Anybody want God to run their life instead of them? You do step four. When do you do step four? Next and at once. You don't screw around. Why? Because until you're doing step four, you don't know what's wrong with you. You think you know what's wrong with them. Anybody have them in their lives? I had a whole list. Great detail. It, nobody cares about them. It's you. So step four is where we look at me, my personality, and how it caused me to have resentment, fear, and harm people. Anybody else have fear and harms and resentments? Mm -hmm. Now, Carrie mentioned fear-based living. There is some, uh, there is, it's very important not to have fear-based living, but when there's, you know, three seconds left in the game, it's pretty hard to say to God now, I don't want fear-based living now, so, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, nobody laughed, but uh, anyway, I did survive, and uh, I, I can handle calamity with serenity, and I always have Mark on speed dial when it gets bad. Uh, anyway, we're digressing. And step four gives me all these character defects that are the things that's wrong with my personality. Now, I used to think my judgment was very good. I knew it was wrong with everybody. Well, that got me in, in, a, in the meeting, got me a wristband. And I don't want to practice these character defects anymore. And so in f step five with another person, I see this. If you don't do steps four and five, you really can't do the rest of the program. You're just floundering. You might stay sober. I don't know what will happen to you, but you won't have the tools that at least I need. I don't know what you need. I need these tools to be able to live each day and have some peace and serenity. So let's start with step six. And this is really good stuff. It says, at the beginning of the discussion of step six in the 12 and 12, it says in a rather sexist way that this is the step that separates the men from the boys. Becoming entirely ready. Now notice, becoming entirely ready Moving into total willingness is hard. So you have to become entirely ready and you have to move into total willingness is hard. Why? Why would that be hard? Your life's a mess. You've lost everything. You don't have anything left. Nobody wants to talk to you. Why is it so hard? Because it's, they talk about it's ego deflation at depth. You have to be completely defeated. Your ego, your, you have to become humbled. For an alcoholic to become humbled, it takes a lot. How do I know that? It took me a long time to get here. Anybody an alcoholic for years before you went to AA? Yeah, and even when you come here, we heard people come in and out and in and out, but there's a moment for the people who make it when their ego is so defeated that they can't, they can't fight anymore. So we become entirely ready and we move into total willingness by our life, our experience as an alcoholic, an addict. And if you're not entirely ready and you're not in the movie in total willingness, I can't help you. Nobody can help you. And it says it requires a great effort and awareness, and I wrote, of my powerlessness. Step six says, requires us to stop struggling. I don't want to struggle anymore. It's time to acknowledge that I need help. Anybody need help each day? Anybody pray this morning when you woke up, first thing. Not only help to stop our addiction, but help in living better lives. We celebrate not drinking, but what we really need to celebrate is our emotional sobriety. 
the quality of our lives, our relationship with God, our peace, our ability to have a purposeful life. Having gone through steps four and five, we've become aware of our character defects. Notice the word aware. I become awakened. I see that I was a broken person when I came here. Anybody else? I mean, I, 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 I had a suspicion that I was the problem, but it became very obvious that I was the problem. And that's the beginning of a spiritual awakening, to see your, 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 your situation for the truth. And it says, perhaps pride, anybody have pride? Thoughts of superiority are blocking the way to serenity. Now, these three lines are great. Pride and thoughts of superiority are blocking the way to serenity. Or is it the habit of judge, judging others? Any judges in here? Anybody judging me right now? Absolutely. Don't tell me. Well, yeah, I know Marcus. There you go. Always, yeah. Uh, Linda doesn't help him. Perhaps it is a D. All right, we'll, we'll discuss this later. Perhaps it's a deep <laughs> resentment, envy, or self-pity that keeps us in turmoil. Now, these, these lines, <coughs> if you're new, what is actually killing you? It's your pride. It's your thinking you're superior. It's your judgment. It's your resentment, envy, and self-pity. And notice what it does. It keeps you in turmoil. It's blocking me from serenity, which is really blocking me from God. So either you're going to let go of your pride, your thoughts of superiority, your habit of judging others, your resentment, your envy, or self-pity, or you're not. And if you don't, look at your life. And your life's not going to change until you're willing to change. And Ed's not here, but, you know, if we don't change, our sobriety cha changes. But actually, that's, I don't know that that's true. What I know is if I don't change, nothing changes and my life is the same. I may not drink, but I'll be miserable. It's good to read steps six and six and over. It says we're entirely ready, entirely ready. That's like complete surrender in step three. Step six is entirely ready. Now, step six is just becoming entirely ready. Step seven is where I humbly ask God to remove them. Why did he put step six in there uh, in the 12 steps? Because willingness and becoming entirely ready, if you're not, you're not going to do this next the step. Why do we have willingness in step eight before we make amends? Because we have to become completely willing. For an alcoholic, completely willing is hard. Entirely ready is hard. I'm entirely ready to have all these defects of character as long as it's not this one and it doesn't do this. You get it? You see how we think? We're always holding back. It, all it requires is to become ready to become willing. Now, how do you become ready to become willing is when you don't want to continue to go on the way you are. Now, how do you use step six today? You're sober 10 years. How do you use step six today? You wake up, you're judging somebody. You're in fear. You haven't prayed. You haven't asked God to direct your life. You're back in self. And you have to say, you know, God, this isn't going to work. I don't want to be judging today. Help me stop judging right now. God, I don't want to be afraid. God says, you don't have to be afraid unless you choose to be. Live with me in the now. Give your life to me. You see how it works? All the time. But step six is the beginning of this change. But step six and seven are done all day long, every minute. And your quality of life today is going to really depend on how well you do step six and seven. 
And they're not talked about hardly at all at any of the discussion meetings. There's only two paragraphs in the big book. And so that's why I've spent, what, three or four weeks on this. It says, I don't have to achieve change immediately. We don't become perfect. We can work on our attitude of mind and pray about it. You see, I have to change my attitude of mind to seek God, and I pray about changing my attitude. We can think it over and see that our lives have become more trouble-free when we rid ourselves of destructive habits. So six leads to seven. And how do you become entirely ready to become willing is steps one through five. If you've really done a thorough one through five, and I went through the fifth step promises, and it says we've put the, the, uh, we put the stones in place, have we missed any cement? Then your arch to freedom is solid, and then you can move on. If you haven't done a solid one through five, according to the big book, at least what they, the founders said, in which I believe, then, then the rest of the steps won't work. Step six tells us to relax. We don't do it alone. Remember, there's no amen after the third step prayer, remember? And after the seventh step prayer, there's an amen. <clears throat> and I don't think that was done uh, unintentionally. I think it was done intentionally that once we do step three and we start four and five and six and seven, we have God with us. And then we say amen after the seventh step prayer. That whole process of four, five, six, and seven is a prayer. We turn to our higher power with confidence. Think of the relief that is waiting once we become entirely ready. Isn't that great? People want to have relief in their situation. And once you're entirely ready, was anybody entirely ready to give up and surrender? Did anybody have that moment of complete defeat and get down on your knees? Wasn't there a sense of relief? I just remember, I just felt better. I don't know why, but I, I felt like I just said, I'm done, and I just stopped carrying this load on my back. And I felt better, right? And I asked God to help me, and I was on my knees. And, and, and I've tried to continue that same uh, sense of humility and defeat every day for the, since then. And it says, relief that is waiting. And I wrote, God is waiting when we're entirely ready. And it's like the prodigal son. He's in the pig pen. He's gotten his money from dad. He screwed up his life. And it says he came to himself. That's what the scripture says. Came to himself. He suddenly saw that he was in the pig pen. And he probably said to somebody, I'm in the pig pen. They said, you've been there for five years. And then he said, you know, it was better in my father's house, even the servants ate better and lived better. And he turns to dad, and then dad comes running, which is the Lord, and they celebrate. That's what God, God's just waiting for me to become entirely ready. And if I'm entirely ready, it's going to happen. But if you're not entirely ready, nothing's going to change. It says it's like heading into a hot shower, forking at a grubby shore feeling the dirt wash away. We emerged refreshed and shining and ready to deal with whatever comes our way. And, we, and we're willing and ready to deal in a positive way to whatever comes our way. We affirm our higher power to our higher power that we're ready to have God remove our defects. 
Does anybody start their day by praying? And then the big book says we ask God to direct our thinking, divorcing it from selfish, dishonest, self-seeking motives. Now, they, they say when you awaken, everybody wakes up, right? It says you'll think of your plans for your, the day. Then they say, warning, time out, stop. Ask God to direct your thinking. Because I don't want my plans to be the plans for the day. I want God's plans. And then this card is basically, I meditate on this every morning. And I've done it so long that I just, I have a part of my prayer is for God to help me be loving, patient, kind, tolerant, considered, compassionate. Help me stay close to you, which means when I stay close to God, I will be loving, patient, kind, tolerant, compassionate. And when I'm away from God, and then Michael, I'm not. It's going to be ugly. And that can happen no matter how long you're sober. And you don't have to live that way anymore. That's what they're telling you. We affirm to our higher power that we're ready to have God remove our defects. We continue in close and loving contact with God while we do our part in working on our shortcomings. Now here's where people get confused. They think step six is okay, I'm willing to have these defects. Who isn't willing to get rid of all this? And then we say the prayer and then we go on our way. And, and I've heard people say that if they're not removed that day, it's because God didn't want them. Uh, that's a completely alcoholic thinking, you know. <laughs> okay, I'm rationalizing, I still have these character defects because God didn't want to remove them. Um, yeah, we won't go into that. That's a whole meeting in itself. And it says, stay in close and loving contact with God. Isn't that conscious contact with God? Isn't that step 11? See how they're all tied together? We seek to improve our conscious contact with God. Why? I only seek knowledge of his will for me and the power to carry that out. And God's will for me is to be the personality that he created. And I need the power to carry that out. So 6 and 7 is really related to 10 and 11, the whole deal. It says, now I do my part in working on our shortcomings. Once we allow room for God to work in our lives, and that's a powerful line. I have to allow room for God to work in my life. What do they mean? Well, I, when I first listened to Joe and Charlie, they said that my mind is like a 7-Eleven. We don't have 7-Elevens here, do we? We have quick shops or whatever. The 7-Eleven, you know, you walk in and they've got all this stuff on the floor. You know, the beef jerky and all that crap, right? <laughs> Corey Smile, he likes beef jerky. That's your mind. That's your, that's, your, that's your resentments that are occupying your mind. All that stuff. And then they have the stuff, the sodas and all in the freezer. That's all your fear. And he says, and then there's a back room, right? A business room usually. And that's the harms you've done to others. And if your mind has that, where's God going to work? How's God going to work today? God can't work if I'm in fear, can he? I'm back in me. If I'm angry, God can't work. If I'm harming others and having shame and guilt, God can't work in that moment. Remember, we're talking about how God can occupy my mind and be my power, not my anger, my fear, my harms. Does this make sense? Yes. And it says, we allow room for God to work in our lives. Now, allowing room for God to work in our lives is the purpose of steps one through five. And we begin the process in six and seven. We make it possible for wonderful change to pl take place. 
we become more in balance with right living principles. And last week I went through and the other handout, which is part of this, and we copied this last part, how the principles of the steps, how the, the spiritual principles of the steps are the principles of right living. Now, I had wrong living, and it didn't work for me. So I want to live a different life, and I want to live a different life today. I want to have some peace today. And so I have to practice these principles in all our affairs. Have you ever heard that said at a meeting? Well, that's what they mean. If you don't practice the principles in all your affairs, nothing's going to happen. And you have to be reminded of that all the time. Now, you can't do that till you've had a spiritual awakening, which is a relationship with God. Because until you do steps one through five, you didn't know what was wrong with you. So how could you practice the principles in all your lives? You were practicing principles in your life, but they were your principles. And they didn't work. So the first thing you have to realize is that your principles are never going to work. They have to be God's principles. Now that, that's a pretty profound statement. My principles or what I think is best for me or the world is never going to work. It has to be God-centered. As soon as I decide what is my principles, then we get fear-based living, like Carrie said. We all know individuals in recovery have given up the booze, or another addiction, yet they're staying dry or abstinent only, and I love this, it's a bold print, redirecting their intense misery into the lives of others. <laughs> Is that you? Is that you now? You know how you know? Ask your, ask your spouse or whoever you're in a relationship with. Ask them how you're doing. See if they see a change. You see, because you can stay sober, but you have this inner misery and you redirect it in other people. How's that visualized? You're in conflict with everybody or everything. You're always upset. You're in self-pity. You're angry. You're fearful. <laughs> Get the picture? And so they're not working steps six and seven. And we discussed uh, six and seven in terms of surrender. Surrender is not in the big book, but it's called abandon yourself. They talk about abandoning yourself. We stood at the turning point. Abandonment. Abandon means to give up me. What are you actually abandoning? My old ideas. Have you ever heard that before? Our old ideas, unless we let go of them, the results nil, and all of them. And so my, I have to abandon myself, my thinking, my old ideas, and I have to abandon these character defects. Or nothing's going to change. And it says, for the six steps, it's a spiritual surrender is necessary. I love that term. It's a spiritual surrender. It's not intellectual. It's not, okay, I'm not going to be mean today. I'm not going to carry on at work at 10 o'clock, and then at 10 o'clock you're carrying on at work. It's, it's a spiritual surrender that without God, I can't change. Does that make people get it? Without God, I can't change. I have to spiritually surrender that of myself I'm nothing. And that's humility. That's why we pray when we wake up. We don't pray because we wake up because, you know, it's, I pray because I'm humble and I know I need God's help. And guess what? You can pray at 8 in the morning and you may need to pray again at 10. You may need to pray at 10.05. You may need to spiritually surrender all day long. The spiritual surrender is what 6 and 7 is about. 
If you're truly spiritually surrendering, you can work step six and seven because you're letting go of all your character defects and trying to practice the opposite. It's an active use of the will. So step six and seven is an action. It's an active use of my will to change. I'm using my will now to change against my old thinking. It's a total surrender of my thinking and doing. Surrender is usually brought up in the context of pain. When our life is unmanageable, we must turn it over. You've heard that in meetings, right? I turned it over and took it back. Anybody ever heard that? Mm -hmm. Probably heard it 18 million times. Uh, I don't know what it means. See, those are people who haven't worked steps six and seven yet. You see, they're new. And they mean well, and I understand what they're saying. They said the prayer in the morning, and at 10 o'clock, their life is miserable. Well, of course it is, because unless it's followed by action, nothing's going to change. And it says, we decide to turn our life into will over the care of God. We've opened the door to the surrender. The decision in step three is just opening the door. But unless you follow through in the rest of the actions, you're not going to get through the door. And then 10 and 11 is how you stay through the door all day long. In, six, in the sixth step, it's an even more active use of the will. We must act as if it has already taken place. We must have faith. And then um, I wrote, spiritual surrender requires active use of the will, total surrender of thinking and doing. And then I'm just going to read this one paragraph, and then if you bring it back, we'll do this handout again so we'll have some time. To, to congratulate the birthdays. This lady, Deb, says, I was wrong, not bad. I did look bad, and I didn't get my needs met. She took the fifth step, and asking herself, I was wrong, not bad, I did look bad. Anybody look bad if you did your fifth step? You better, or you haven't done it. Doesn't mean you're a bad person, it means your thinking and your behavior was bad. I didn't get my needs met, so I ignorantly, apparently, insanely, desperately repeated what I knew. More and more, or less and less, deprivation and overconsumption are the flip sides of the same coin. The point of recovery is finding the balance. Finding the balance takes the awareness gained in step four and five with the action and behavior changes in six and seven. So we'll pick it up with that next week. We're on page six. There's a lot of information in here. Do you think it's good that we spend time on this? Yeah, yeah okay, good, because I'm going to do it anyway. All right, thanks, guys. I love you all, and uh, we'll open it up to congratulate the birthdays, and bring your hand out next week, okay, guys? Thank you.